Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And today, well, I have my beautiful bride, my wonderful wife, Laura Bennett, join me in the studio to discuss and celebrate the 100 plus episodes of The Greg Bennett Show. It's been an extraordinary journey. We go through that journey. We dissect some of my favorite interviews and what I took away from from many of them. And we also sort of look at some of my favorite questions that I've asked, and we ask ourselves those same questions. It's a lot of fun. We do go off on tangents a little bit, but I think there's a lot of learning and inspiration in this one as well. Laura, when you actually can get her to sit down and think and and talk quietly without the kids distracting, has so many wonderful pieces of advice. So I think you'd really do yourself a favor if you listen to this one. I really get a lot from Laura every time I I have these conversations. Now, a few bits of housekeeping before we go on. Firstly, yes, I want to thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. It means the world to me. If you do want to support the show, you can do it by simply sharing it on your social platforms or sharing it with your family and friends. That really does me a huge favor to get the word out. I truly appreciate it. If you have any follow-up questions for me, I am on the platform. Go to anyquestion.com. You can sign up there. You can go on and you can ask me any questions, any follow-up questions to guests. Many of my guests are actually on the platform, including Jan Fredino, Lucy Charles Barkley, Nino Schurter, Kate Courtney. A lot of them are already on there. They're there and accessible to answer any questions that you do have. Uh, It's a great platform, so go check it out. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I truly did just enjoy this hour and a half of sitting with Laura. But for now, remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. All right, today, my beautiful bride is back in the studio. We are here to celebrate, well, the year and and the 100 plus episodes or two years of the podcast. Now, a quick recap on Laura. She's a multiple US Olympic triathlete, four-time world championship medalist and four-time US national champion. She's an NCAA championship winning swimmer from SMU, Southern Methodist University. And she spent almost 20 years at the top of the sport of triathlon as a professional. She spent some time as world number one ranked athlete. I don't know if it was weeks or months. And she just narrowly missed winning the World Series in 2003. She's now an extraordinary mother of an almost two and an almost four-year-old and an incredibly patient wife. So thanks for joining me once again on The Greg Bennett Show. Laura, how are you? Good. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you for the beautiful introduction. That's so sweet. I know. Even for you, I'll do one of those. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's a little biased, but let's go with it. This is almost like a, a date for us these days, huh? We've uh, <laughs> we having this moment where we have your dad sort of minding the kids while they nap. This is almost like a date for us to escape. Yeah, we tried to get him on the on our anniversary and that didn't work out. So <laughs> it has to be work to get any help around here. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it's nice that we can finally sit down and chat without mm-hmm. a two-year-old and a four-year-old running around our ankles. It it's actually continued conversation. Broken conversation that seems to be my life nowadays. I know. It's like you never get to finish a conversation ever. Even we've told our four year old, you know, to say excuse me, you know, before she interrupts, but now she's got a real grasp of that. It's like all you hear is excuse me, excuse me. You're like, oh, can I just finish my sentence? Nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we actually should be using this time to probably prepare for Christmas. Lots of presents to wrap. Yeah. Well, bye. I actually, have you bought mine already? 
yeah, I got a few things. Oh, well, maybe. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Stocking, we do the stocking stuffing, you know, so you got to get a lot of little presents. Yeah. So I, I still, no, I still have a lot of work to do there. Yeah, I got a lot sure. to do. I find the whole Christmas can be kind of stressful, can't it's it? It's very stressful. Yeah. All of these holidays. I mean, the amount of people I've talked to about Thanksgiving and they're like, oh, they say it with, I guess, a bit of guilt. I just ordered in this year. I'm like, of course you should order in. The whole point is getting people together to just enjoy time together, but nobody will do it unless it's a holiday. Yeah. And so therefore we have to make a big deal of these holidays in order to get people to buy in and come and actually spend time together. And so, yeah, I mean, I think all of it is just, it's so, so um, hectic and stressful. Look, it's- some people love it though, right? I mean, yeah, sure. some people, I mean, if you love to cook, and, and you love to entertain, it's a great time of year. For us, yeah, we, yeah. We, we'd like to be entertained and we'd like to be cooked for. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> we kick every day. Yeah. Now, I'm, just so you know, my voice might be a little off today. I have been dealing with this little bout of, I guess, what do you call it, bronchitis? Yeah. I haven't been to a doctor to get purely examined, but a little bit of a chest infection. So, and have you got a bit of a head cold? How are you I sounding? did have a little sign. I'm doing pretty well about fighting it off. I think now having kids, you get sick probably every couple of weeks. Yeah. So I think my immunity, my immunity is actually getting stronger stronger because this one I've I've kind of kept it down to like a three out of ten I mean we eat pretty clean and, well you do and all of that you do much better than I do yeah <laughs> I try to I try to offer it I know look honestly I think this uh, as I was thinking about it and I just sort of put that in you know I've had this battle it was probably only in September October when I, I remember doing the a podcast with Ben Knut and on that one, I had to sort of apologize. And that wasn't that long ago. So, yeah. you know. and, and if you think you've had all of the Halloween candy in the interim. Well, so. somebody had to eat that. <laughs> the kids aren't allowed it. So, <laughs> But I did eat that Halloween candy slowly over at least six weeks. So it wasn't all in one oh, sitting. There we go. Anyway, let's move on from putting Greg down. And <laughs> <laughs> the goal of today is to really just celebrate the two years. 100 plus episodes of the show, which I've enjoyed tremendously. I want to sort of dissect the good questions and ask ourselves some of those same questions and then talk about some of the episodes that truly sort of have left a mark. Then I thought we could reflect on our own careers, what worked and what didn't work in our own careers and really sort of if we went back in time and had to start all over again, what that potentially would look like. So why don't we start by sort of saying, first, I'll give myself an enormous pat on the back, 100 episodes. Yes, well done, Greg. <laughs> it's impressive though. It really is. Oh, thanks. Thanks, it's, it's a lot of work to get everybody on. and Yeah, it's that athlete mentality. I remember starting out and uh, actually it started with, I was doing some work for NBC for announcing the Kona Ironman World Championships in 2019. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I better prepare a little bit. I, I better call some of these guys to really see what's, you know, how their preparation's going and everything. And I remember hopping off the call with Sebastian Kinley and it was about an hour and a half of sitting in the living room and just chatting with, with a great guy. And uh, he had so many wonderful stories and, and I hung up and I came to you and I said, oh, I should have recorded that. That, yeah, you know, that was, that was a conversation where people really, really enjoyed one of the greats of our sport, just yep. opening up. It was at that moment, I knew nothing about podcasts. I wasn't really listening to them. <laughs> I don't even listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And uh, I was like, yeah. oh, where do I start? And uh, through much homework and everything else, I, I, I thought I'd start. But I remember saying... I'll do a yeah. hundred episodes. Yeah, that's right. If I'm going to do this, I've got to commit. 
And so I've committed, knowing that 100 episodes is basically two years. And so, yes, it does feel kind of special when you hit that goal. And Mm -hmm. it's like that athlete mentality of turning up every single week and just staying consistent. So it does feel pretty good about that. It's nice to see how much you've grown on it. I mean, it's a lot of work to try and carry conversation, stay engaged and still be entertaining. Oh, and as you would put it, and listen. And listen. (laughs) (laughs) You've become a much better listener since. Yeah, I hope so. After 100 episodes. I hope so. Um, But I was asked recently on the platform, Any Question, Mm -hmm. um, the app called Any Question, what is my favorite question to ask guests on the show? Now, that was a really good question, Mm -hmm. actually. So what I wanted to do is... Well, firstly, I'll give an answer to that in a moment. But then I thought with the answers that I give that potentially those questions we also ask ourselves right now on the show. All right. So I don't know if you're going to be ready for this, but the first one, what I've loved is the number one question and I've kept it in every episode. And that is, can we rewind the clock? And I know that's a very general and a very broad question, but... I love listening to people's journeys of how they got to where they are. There's something, there's a story in everybody, right? Always. What inspired them, who got them started, mm-hmm. you know, or what, I mean, some just fell into it, mm-hmm. which was, is pretty interesting. And then they're world champions or, you know, Olympic champions. Well, some of it's the crazy. younger ones have been like that. I yeah. mean, it's been, they're like, yeah, I didn't really know anything. I was a triathlete at four, five, six, you know, and they're like, yeah. so that was all I ever knew. You got other ones like, uh, Sebastian Kinley, you know, his parents, I think, enrolled him, put him in the first triathlon going, he's got to get rid of some of this energy. This guy's out of control. You <laughs> know, it was sense. like that kind of, that kind of thing. So yes, the rewinding the clock is probably my favorite, probably my favorite question to ask because, and I, you hear me in the playground, don't you? When I, I meet yeah. people and yeah. I just, anybody I meet, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got exactly. a journey. I find people fascinating. It is. It is interesting. A lot of a lot of the people that you've had on here have amazing journeys. Yes, they do. They do. So I I think that that's probably my number one. And and I think for the most part, you know, understanding their family and and their values and Mm -hmm. and just where did that drive come from? You get a lot out of that. You know, it's interesting how many top performers just you're born with it almost. You're born with that drive, mm. that anxiety, that competitiveness. Yeah. You just, you want more out of the situation. Mm. Like I know growing up, my brothers always told me I couldn't do it and it just drove me nuts. Mm. Okay. I'm going to have to do it now. Well, they you still know? do. They do do it. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so it's great to have the family support, but <laughs> um, no, but I think that's motivating. And you know what? Honestly, I, probably have a sister that's could be told the same thing. She'd be like, yeah, I can't, Yeah, you know, and just walks on. So, and sometimes when you're dissecting what makes an athlete or doesn't, or trying to, you know, see if you can identify it early in children, I really, sometimes I, it's to some degree, it's just in them. They're just interested in doing more with their energy or they have a lot of energy and they have to get it out. And then all of a sudden they're good at a sport and they're like, well, this is nice. Like you've mentioned in the past. Oh, I like the pat on the back. So I I'm love do- the pat on the back. Okay, Laura. I don't it. get enough of it at home, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's really interesting, all of that. Mm. All right. Well, the, se- the second um, 
question I would uh, that I sort of probably added just this year, 2021, I didn't have in 2020, and I use it at the end of the show, is sort of what's one piece of advice that you could help us to optimise our lives? And I've enjoyed that question to learn from the best experts in the world is what's one piece of advice that I can take away that I can then go put into my life. And what is yours? We'll come to that. Okay. We'll come to that in a little bit because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I liked, you know, someone like an Alistair Brownlee. It's all about consistency. Mm-hmm. Others, it's been all about finding the joy, you know, and, and having, you know, just making sure you love what you do. Others, it's about balance, making sure you don't become too consumed. Uh, and it's just... I think there's been a lot of nice little takeaways in, in some of those those moments where you say, how can I optimize my life? And th- every time I hear that, you put it into your own life and go, yeah, you can be more consistent or you can work better mm-hmm. at finding the joy in what you're doing. Uh, actually concentrate on what are you passionate about and how much you enjoy it. And, and then, you know, finding the balance and what is balance? You know, that mm-hmm. becomes a whole conversation in itself. It's not 50-50. It might be just every now and then taking the time to ground yourself and going for a walk on the beach or whatever it is. Exactly. Um, but there's a lot in that question and so that's been one of my favourites to ask. The final piece to this is I've enjoyed the rapid fire questions. Now, I've had one feedback from a good friend of mine, Adrian, um, who mm-hmm. said he wasn't a fan of the rapid fire question as much because he kind of finds himself getting deeply involved in the conversation and then he finds the rapid fire kind of can break that flow up. What I've found with these rapid fire questions, depending on the guest, they can be positioned either at the front of the show as a warm up, or at the end of the show as a bit of a conclusion or in the middle just to give them a bit of a break, you know, because it's exhausting sometimes being a guest as well when somebody just keeps firing questions at you. Well, it gives me a break too, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so they have been fun. So why don't we do this? Like you said, why don't we ask ourselves these same questions and see how that feels, all right? And I know you've already been on the show and I've been sort of, I've talked about myself for two years, but I thought we could basically start with the first question. All right, so Laura... If I was to rewind your clock, take us through your journey in, you can be in somewhat summary format if you like. Yeah, I better, I better make it really tight. So let me. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You do tend to rub it on at times. I do rub it on. (laughs) Well, I just don't know what you want to hear about. So I just go on and on. So yeah, I think it's more um, recognizing I had a lot of energy as a kid and, you know, I loved every single sport. All my friends were boys. I don't know if it was just the geographical place we lived where all boys were around me, but the girls were never doing anything inside. So I was always outside playing. And I think having a lot of energy, you know, puts you into sport and then you keep trying to find how you want to be better. Like I found that I just, I was swimming growing up. Well, like I said, playing every sport, but focusing, you know, on swimming and then my dad was a runner, so I did a bit of running. And then my brothers got into triathlon when they got into college. So that kind of introduced us to triathlon. And I never really felt triathlon was my true gift. You know, there's a lot of girls that come on the scene and in two years, they're dominating the sport. I feel like I had a long life in the sport. I learned a lot. Like I've mentioned to you in the past, I had learned life lessons through the sport of triathlon. I feel I had tons of experiences but I think that having strength and endurance in, in sport is really what triathlon needs. Mm. Now I have, I have speed and power, 
which is helpful in transitions and getting off the blocks, things like that. So I had a lot of work to do in, in all the other parts of it, but it's been an unbelievable life for me and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything. But I think that, um, as far as where my drive comes, like I mentioned before, I think it just comes from within, Mm. you know, and I think that I love to be challenged. I love to see what I'm capable of. I love to try and be the best in the world, even if I'm not. And that's why I always wanted to race world championships. I always wanted to be up against the best. So I knew exactly where I, where I fell, whether it was, you know, on top or not. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that's pretty much in a little tiny nutshell, yeah. what, how I feel about, um, okay. On that, a- any regrets? I mean, I've always took the sport on, um, I think with intent and I looked at it as a business in the sense of, okay, if I'm going to be here, let's maximize it. And so that's why we always focused on, okay, if you're going to race, let's race for the $10,000 win as opposed to a thousand dollar win, because you're going to put as much energy into it no matter what. And so I think doing all of that, but kind of in the back of my mind, I never really felt like I'd be doing it for as long as I, I was. And so maybe there was a few times where I could have made a better decision on, you know, maybe like getting some coaching or, um, you know, when, when we, when you and I got together, we mm. really focused together. And I think that was super productive for yourself. And I think it was, it was helpful. My, what I needed in, you know, in that situation was more, I wanted to get my personal life started. So I, you know, was growing with someone that forever I would be with. And so I think in the sport, I think a few times I wish I would have just focused on me and, and not the two of us at the same time. But, you know, honestly, I'm not sure how much it would have changed. And my life at the end of the day, I'm not sure how much that would have changed. Mm. I had amazing experiences. I had success to the level that I feel like, you know, for the work that I had done probably deserved. And yeah, I, I, um, not sure I have deep, deep regrets, but you know, like you're, you're always wanting for more. That's the problem. That's, that's, that's our gift and our curse at the same Mm. time is that you always want for more. And it's only until you're, you know, like now we're too old to actually do anything that we've done in the past. So we're not going to do that anymore. And I don't want to get near it because (laughs) then I have to think about and talk about, you know, what could I be doing? You know, a lot of people ask you that, what do you, you know, are you, do you miss triathlon? you know, being retired now. And I'm like, I, I just don't, cause I know I can't be wherever, where I was. Mm. I, I think that miss triathlon, the way I answer it is I miss the people. Oh, absolutely. That the yeah. people and the events. And that's why I've enjoyed some doing a little bit of announcing, you know, a couple yeah. of events and things. That's it's right. surrounding yourself with the people, but yeah. not having to suffer. It's been mm-hmm. really wonderful, yeah. <laughs> you know, not having to perform on, exactly. on, I mean, there's a performance, I guess, with the announcing side, but, yeah. um, Okay. So was there any times where you thought you wanted to give it away? You know, you were in the sport for 20, 30 years. Yeah, no, a long time. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty of times. I mean, I was injured most of my career, but I guess maybe in that respect, it was the challenge of getting uninjured and seeing what you could do. Mm. So yeah, I mean, there was, there was definitely times that I think, what, should I just be moving on here? Mm. I don't know. I didn't make that decision. So we just stayed in it and yeah, maybe, maybe moving long sooner, but you know, that didn't really mm. pan out for me because I don't know, I don't have the strongest guts, but <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get the nutrition right on that, um, for my system. So yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I think, I think I'm pretty, pretty satisfied with. Yeah. I, I mean, I never thought about think? retiring. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
like every week, (laughs) you know, and and to some degree you kind of feel like maybe it was that because you feel like you're not maximizing yourself for some reason. So you're like, well, I shouldn't even be doing it then, you know? I think it's nervous anxiety. You're like, I just want to step off. It's too much. It's too much. But uh, it's the double-edged sword. So yeah, my journey. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. Well, I, I came from a competitive family, you know, where all we did was watch sports. We were sports mad, you know, always on the weekend telly was, was whatever, wide world of sports in Australia growing up. And it didn't matter what the sport, we loved it if it was done well. You know, we were watching cricket or if we were watching rugby or if we were watching the Olympics or rowing or whatever it was. And um, both my brother, my older brother and I, you know, my younger brother's a bit younger, than, a fair bit younger than us, but my older brother and I were fairly close in age. And so we were fairly competitive against each other. And my goal was always just trying to keep up with him, you know, whether it was Makes the, sense. and my dad used to time us around the block from a very early age, you know, we'd run <laughs> against each other and I could never beat him. Um, fast forward just a little bit. It, it, I remember when I think I came back, I must've been about 23, already a professional triathlete. And my brother had done a couple of years, years stint as a professional rugby player, much bigger build than I am. Yeah. And so he said, why don't we go run the block like we used to when we were kids? And uh, the first part of the block was straight up this steep hill called Pindari Avenue. And it was like, you know, probably 150 metres straight up. And then you do a long straight, flat straight, and then along and then come down the hill. And I remember dad started us bang and we ran up the hill and he just sprinted my brother was so far in front of me I was like what I'm a professional athlete and I still can't beat him but then I remember he got around the corner from the hill and there he was just totally hunched over hands on knees about to pass out and uh I think he was just trying to fake it you know like to make me almost give up yeah, and then yeah. I came around and finally I got to beat him around the block but anyway so that that was kind of my growing up with that kind of family environment where sport, it was okay to be focused on sport, even more so than academics to some degree. Like it was, yeah. that was how driven we were in the sporting world. We just, there was a real passion. I went to a high school where the focus of sport was rugby and rowing. It was a very traditional school. And being a smaller guy, that made it a bit difficult. You know, I didn't, I was put in the, as a coxswain in the boat rather than, <laughs> you know, my brother was rowing, okay, stroking, yeah. you know, the first four and I'm the coxswain and, uh, which is the little guy that sits down the back of the boat and steers at everybody. It doesn't. But he's a leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laura's heard all these stories. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No, I'm encouraging. Um, so, and then, you know, in the rugby sort of world, I was in the 13Es, 14Es, you know, I just never was that first 15 type yeah. rugby player. And, and then found myself in, um, actually it was one day training with the rowing crews, the first eight, first four and, and going for a 5k run and they'd do a time trial run, uh, for all the rowers. And I was only in year eight or nine. In a buck 10. And I was, yeah, I was, yeah, buck 10, yeah, which is 110 pounds for Australians or 50 kilograms. And so I, um, but I outran them all and I was like, oh, it was like the first time I was like, oh, I, I'm not bad at this part, you know, 5k run I can do. And, and that was kind of the first time I thought, oh, maybe I'm more of an endurance athlete than a power, big, strong, you know, athlete, which was both good and bad because I wanted to play first 15 rugby. I wanted to be in the first eight rowing, you know. It was like that was what was important in the school at the time. So, yeah. um, But you got to love to be hit. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of being hit. Maybe also <laughs> I was also – I didn't – I liked 
the playing of the rugby, you know, having the ball, the chip and chase, the, yeah. the pass out wide. I, I love the game and playing it, but yeah, I did get hit pretty hard. I used, I think the, the flankers or the breakaways, the guys, the big guys on the edge of the scrums and they're quick to get off, off the scrum and they see a little guy like me grab the ball and I think they get very excited about slamming me yeah. into the ground. So I, I got bet. hit very hard. I was concussed many times in the rugby days, just getting hit hard. So anyway, fast forward a little bit, a couple of mates found the sport and, uh, you know, started off in a team event at the Nepean Triathlon, did the swim and run and thought it can't be that bad to put in the bike. And, and that was it. So Damn. added the bike and I think it was 1986. So I was 14, 15, yeah. a long time ago now. Um, wow. And like you said earlier, you know, I enjoyed the pats on the back as yeah. I found Balmoral Triathlon Club and they had little, you know, nightly biathlon, Friday night biathlons, aquathons, whatever you want to call them now. And, uh, and a couple of good mates that, that made it a lot, a lot of fun as well. And we do all the road trips up and down the east coast of Australia and just exploring Australia and doing all the different events everywhere. And, and then um, we've talked about it, I think you and I, I don't know if on the podcast, but Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, mm-hmm. where he talks about work, talent and opportunity. Yes. And one of the things... I had tremendous work ethic and that really came from I was incredibly passionate and I wanted to do something special. And I had some talent, you know, I'm not going to shy away from that. I was reasonably talented, um, mainly because I think I was probably doing sport from such a young uh, young age, Mm -hmm. but opportunity. And and it came my way fairly consistently. You know, I, I remember the Tui's Blue Grand Prix live triathlon in Australia, live television, 25 guys, 15 had to were automatic and 10 qualified. I qualified for that series in 94. And this was live television. It was, it was huge in Australia. Super okay. sprint racing. It was mm-hmm. uh, exactly what you see on Macca's Super League racing mm-hmm. now. It was all yep. that kind of format, but, you know, before internet and it was just live television. And we were, you know, we did that for, it wasn't always the two is blue. It changed names, St. George, Accenture and all sorts of things. But it was, we were kind of little celebrities in our world of Australia, you know, yeah. not, yeah. obviously Greg Welsh and Brad Bevan were the bigger celebrities in the sport because they were the ones winning. But the rest of us were kind of, it was a, to have that opportunity to learn my craft as a 22 year old mm-hmm. amongst the best in the world. I mean, Greg Welsh was yeah. the world champion. Brad Bevan was the world series champion. Miles Stewart, who joined a year or two later, won the world championships in 91. We had all the world champions in that series. So I learned my craft against the best every time I raced. And I'd race three times on a weekend because they were 20-minute races. That's why the Australians were the best in the world back then. We raced and And the rest of the world came down to race that exact series. Mm -hmm. This was all before the Grand Prix in the French Grand Prix, which now the Europeans have kind of taken over. Mm -hmm. Australia dropped that after the 04 Olympics, which I think was the demise of the Australian program to some degree. I mean, we had plenty of athletes come through, but I think that the domination of Australian athletes, triathletes in the sport. I I couldn't agree with more. I think I've said it on this show. You got to race, race, race Mm -hmm. and learn your skills, learn your craft, Mm -hmm. you know, and especially when you're young. You know, yep. in those late teens, early 20s, race, race, race. And to be racing up against the best in the world every weekend. Exactly. And, 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 and what you see now in the countries that think, oh, well, we want to create great athletes. Mm. We better have more polo shirts and more yeah. administrators and no. more. No, scrap no. them all. Yep. Race and do great racing. You know, if I was a high performance uh all I would be saying is I'd be calling Chris McCormack in this Super League series and say, mate, I need you to just put on races. You know, if I was in Australia, I'd say I need five of your races in my country 
yeah. make it happen. You bring it back. That's it. I mean, that's essentially Australians were doing it first. They dropped it. Then the French, yeah. they started their French Grand Prix and now the Europeans are doing amazing. They're right yeah. there. They do 20 minute drive practically to these races. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's the way to do it. And they race the best in the world. Because exactly. that's now we're the best. I mean, you flew down in, yeah. what, what was your first year when you came 98. down? You came down in 98 and you were racing yeah. Barb. Yeah. Uh, Barb came down and then you were racing Loretta Harrop and Nicholas, uh, uh, Nicole. Nicole Hackett. Nicole Hackett, yeah. excuse me. I uh, mean, that's what I thought. I thought, okay, I'm going to do triathlon. I, this is just out of university. And I thought, well, where are the best in the world? They mm. were in Australia. And what are they doing? They're racing in the, in the off season. Yeah. That's where I'm going. And that's exactly what I did. And that's what it takes to be the best in the world. Be around it and be doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's racing. And, and your whole life revolves around it. Yeah. And if you look, don't want that, don't do it. And look at the success that came out of that. I mean, Siri Lindley, you were yep. rooming with Siri at one yeah. point and she was a world champion a few years later. Exactly. But it's like she, you learn your craft. Simon Whitfield, yep. you know, wins the 2000 Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. He decided when he was a young kid to move back to Australia from Canada. His dad mm-hmm. was from Australia because he knew that's where yeah. the sport of triathlon was taken very seriously and exactly. you could make a career of it. And he qualified for the series and he did all the, yeah. he raced, he raced, he raced. So then he's the Olympic champion at 25, mm-hmm. exactly. his breakthrough race, um, yeah. which we can get into a bit later when I talk about some of my favorite episodes. But yeah, I think that the, the 90s for Australia, we we were very fortunate to some degree that we had already a great pedigree when you think of Greg Walsh, sure. Miles Stewart, Brad sure. Bevan, Stephen Foster. We had incredible athletes and that's just on the men. We had equally, if not better, on the women, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, with <laughs> Emma Carley, McKeeley yeah. Jones, Jack, uh, Jackie Jack- Gallagher, um, just incredible women as well. Yeah. And, and so you had that, then you throw in the races that basically say, Hey, Greg, hey, Craig Alexander, Chris McCormack, Simon Whitfield. You guys now get to race, race the world champions five to seven events during the summer, which ends yeah. up being closer to 15 times. Yeah. And we got to, I got to go, oh, I beat Greg Welsh out of the water. I'm with him yeah. on the bike. Oh, and he's outrun me on the run just. And maybe yeah. it was at the start of summer by 40 seconds. By the end of summer, I'm only 10 seconds behind. Or I even beat him every now and then. It was like... And it's interesting because you, I remember talking to Bevan Doherty after he won Worlds in Madeira mm. and he said, we, we asked him, you know, what, what was the difference? Why all of a sudden he's been around for ages? He said, I just got some confidence. Mm. And that's exactly what can happen when you have these series going. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you all of a sudden, oh, I beat Greg Welsh out of the water. I never thought I could have been near him or yeah. something, you yeah, know, yeah. like things like that. And then all of a sudden you get a little spark, not necessarily that you're going to take over now because you got to do all the work. And But it inspires you to do <laughs> the work. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, let me, let me go back to the opportunity because we're talking about mm-hmm. the opportunity and that, that Grand Prix. And then a couple of years later, you know, or maybe it was that same year, it's announced that Sydney will be the Olympics mm-hmm. and, and triathlon will be in the Olympics for the first time. So not only is Sydney going to be the Olympics, my hometown, yeah, and I lived so right cool. on Sydney Harbour there. It was like I, I could venue. actually look at, the, look at the swim course from home almost. And, and, that's, and that was an enormous excitement mm-hmm. but it was also a bit of anxiety and stress and everything that go oh, with sure. it but, but hometown race but it certainly it made the sport really come alive mm-hmm. um now i had my own horror story with how that all ended up not yeah. going to that olympics and being number two in the world and that not happening but at the same time then i left that and moved to canada helped simon whitfield get ready to do his job at the olympics and long story short he did go on to win it and still one of the my career highlights was simon 
Yeah. You know, I take that as a, we kind of did that as a journey together and uh, I'll never forget, you know, after he'd run down Macquarie Street for the win and, you know, I was crying, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting there in the stands and, and then the presentation, you know, he was on the, on the dais and this is before 9-11. So security was maybe a fraction looser, but he ran off that dais and did run up to the, you know, the crowd and, and, and leaned over and put the medal around my neck and said, this is yours. That's pretty cool. That That's was, amazing. That was really You cool. guys were the perfect combination though. I think, you know, uh, he has a lot of talent and he does like to work, but he doesn't consistently like to work and stay focused. I think he, that's probably his gift as well. It's probably focus. His art, yeah. of, his art of distraction mm. is what keeps him doing well. Mm. It's odd, but yes. So I think you coming in and giving him some, somebody to chase, somebody's already on the scene, somebody like your Greg Welsh who yeah. you had chased and he's training with you every single day. And then also saying, yeah, we have to be up every day at this time, mm. you know, like the discipline of staying on top of it. Um, and then with the, his combination of genetics and his, and his work ethic as well, being working with you, mm. it brought him out on the day. And, and that on, leg speed, that leg speed. Oh yeah. That's, phenomenal. that's the talent. Yeah. That's the talent. If you can you run can't... a 52 second quarter yeah. or 400 meter yeah. on the track can... in flats, you're a, you're a yeah. real sprinter. You, you don't grow that. That's in there. Yeah, you just yeah. have to, yeah. do, you know, you just have to develop <laughs> yeah, it yeah, yeah. a little bit. It was a beautiful combination that mm. brought about, and that would be so special to actually, I mean, sometimes, you know, helping others oh. to the point to their success is just as. In, I as, almost think more so sometimes. Yeah. I mean, even when I yeah. look at the work we did with each other and, yeah, and when exactly. you had a great race, yeah. it just felt. No, it's true. It even felt deeper than your own. I think it's sometimes, you know. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, but yeah, going back, so basically the, I think that then led to sort of the opportunity. I focused on the ITU World Series and had my, my you know, mm-hmm. was rewarded with a couple of titles there and that was really nice. But I was starting to get really tired of that series mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the U.S. says, oh, we're going to have this big yep. non-drafting World Series, Olympic distance, I, which I still think is the greatest distance in the world. Non-drafting. Um, non-drafting Olympic I think is the race and yep. yet. I keep seeing it just disappear and it's like we go 70.3s, which basically the swim doesn't matter as much and, you know, 90K bike, 20K, 1K run, it just becomes a longer day. So you've got to pace yourself more. Um, And then the Ironman, well, that's just, you know, doubles it all up again. I'm not saying they're not worth doing. I did them all, but I just feel like that perfect. It has to be more dramatic. The apex. I just think in our sport, the pinnacle is that 1,500-metre swim, 40K, non-drafting bike, a full-time trip, raw power, Absolute mm-hmm. raw power. And then a 10K, which is just enough that if you trained, you can sprint a 10K. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not Obviously not sprint, but you can yeah. really get after it and Be not have to test. pace yourself. It's not about gels. It's not about salt levels. It's not yeah. about anything else. And the other thing, if you're weak in any of those three disciplines, you're out. Yeah. You can't swim well, you're out. You don't make it up in a 40K bike, 10K run. You're out. You well, know? some of the interesting things were that year you had the five for five your run splits, weren't they, no matter the course, were always about three or five seconds yeah, they, they, they between were all, them? The whole, all five were, uh, I think it was seven seconds difference from... Seven seconds. <laughs> and that's over different courses, different yeah. terrains. It I was mean, actually you think quite, LA, you think, was it Dallas or... Yeah, yeah. New yeah. York was... Hilly. New York. Yeah, it was quite remarkable, but... My point is, is that it's so fine-tuned when you're in that Olympic distance Yeah. that the detail of, you know, just swimming 100s, on, you know, whatever it is, 101s, 102s or 103s is a big difference. Yeah. Or the, like you're saying, the run just within seconds of each other, you have to have that consistency Mm. to have that 
success. Now, look, I'm probably celebrating the Olympic distance non-drafting because... You're good at it? Yes. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) But... We're talking about you. It's my journey. Remember, everybody was still on it. Remember, Laura's went for about 30 seconds. We're up to about 15 minutes in my. (laughs) Hopefully we're giving some good entertaining stories along the way. (laughs) Anyway, that series came to an end and Hy-Vee came along and so we got all of that. And so my point of all of that was I got a lot of great opportunities along the way. And And that combination. Talking opportunity, you also have to be ready and aware and adapt quickly when it's available. Do you know what I mean? It's one thing to see it, but you still got to adapt, change, be willing to dive in. I Um, remember when that, when that series did come along, the uh, non-drafting series mm. and you were doing the Olympic distance or you were doing um, the ITU and we sat down and we're like, hang on, you got to get out of this and go into that. Mm. We know that's your talent. You have to go that way. And, you know, you've been in the ITU for, I forget what year that came about. Was it 06 that it started up? Kind the full of? series started in yeah. 06, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we've you've been doing that for, what is that, eight years? years? Yeah, yeah. Eight years on the Olympic yeah, yeah. scene. 15. So it's hard to kind of get out of your comfort zone and move, and move into something else. And yeah. that's what, you know, that's what you did. So you, it's... Yeah. It's, it's one thing that it's probably one of my big takeaways when we talk about optimizing, you know, the next question of what's one thing to optimize your life. I, mm-hmm. I really think that being open to mm-hmm. opportunity and, and, sure. and, 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 and constantly telling yourself every day, be open for opportunity. Yeah. Cause I think we, we miss things. We miss opportunities in, in every aspect of life. And I think that's an so- important one. It's a bit of finesse because to do well in what you're trying to focus on, you Mm. have to kind of be focused. Mm. So you're not necessarily looking around for what other things are going on. And sometimes that can be a distraction. And so it is a bit of a a challenge to kind of be saying, I want to stay focused on here and, and do well here, but, oh, could there be something else? Yeah, and I think that's it. I think it's, it's not saying, could there be something else like an opt out? Mm -hmm. It's it, not looking at it like an opt out. It's more looking at it as, yeah, I think just we have one life yes. and, and yeah. opportunities come and they go very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one athlete, I won't mention names, but I remember after I'd won that 07 series mm-hmm. and, it, and it had paid well and it was quite successful. And they said, oh, I should have done that rather than chasing yeah. the Olympics. And I was like, well, firstly, it was open to anybody. Anybody could have entered, right? You didn't have to exactly. qualify. And secondly, and here's a bit of my ego kicking in, you would have had to have beaten me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, screw you. No way. <laughs> so Bring anyway. it on. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Anyway, yeah, that's true. The second question that I've really enjoyed asking, what's uh, one piece of advice that you would suggest for people to optimize their life? I think living your life with intent. I think that's that's kind of what I was kind of touching on earlier is I like that. looking at, okay, you know, what am I liking doing right now? Mm. Like as a kid, I loved sport, mm. period. Okay, well, if you're going to do sport, do you want to do it the rest of your life? Do you want to do it as long as you can? Okay, well, how are you going to fund that? Mm. Okay, well, then look at this sport as a business. And essentially, that's, I, that is how I live my life. Like when, when I got into triathlon, I thought, okay, well, at first you have no money, but you know, I had the opportunities to go to the, the U S training center and living in the dorms and things like that. Okay. Now you've lived on your own already, but you're moving back into a dorm. Okay. Well, you're going to give up some of your lifestyle Mm. in order to be able to afford to do this sport. 
And then as you evolve in the sport, you know, other things you're going to have to give up and let go of in order to, to um, support yourself. Mm. And like I said, if you're going to race on a weekend, why wouldn't you race for the 10 grand win over the one grand when you know you're going to give 110% to your training? So just focus. Mm. And then also like we've, like we did a lot of once we came together is put a plan together you're not racing every time there's an opportunity to race. No, mm. you know you can only peak so many times and generally you can't peak for probably six months if mm. you do the progression correctly. So, you know, you got to go through your base phase then you got to go through your strength phase and even though those combine a little bit and then your threshold and then you have a six-week period to nail it mm. basically and maybe you get a few successes before that or after that but generally it is you know a planned out way to do it and you know we saw athletes in the past that were just grabbing 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 and mm. they're like oh i can't do it very good on the big day well yeah because you're not trying to do it very good mm. on the big day you haven't been you're intentional to, yeah, yeah you haven't been intentional and so i think that's one of the biggest pieces if you can just doesn't matter where what you want to be doing mm. but what you f- want to focus on just have intent step back, think about it. What do, what do I want out of this? You know, and how am I going to achieve it? Do you think another way to look at intent is almost having self-responsibility and, and going just all in? Kind of, but you still got to plan it out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everything. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. You can run into the brick wall if you'd like, or you could say, all right, well maybe I'll build some steps before I get to the wall. Yeah. So then I can just jump on over it. Because that's the problem. I think a lot of people are just, they could come into the sport and they're just good at it. And how many of the girls have we seen come into the sport and destroy themselves mm-hmm. at 18, 19 years old, make an Olympic team and poof, they're gone. One, they don't have great guidance. So mm-hmm. I, I, I put a lot onto that because not that your coach is to blame, it's still on you, but it's an opportunity for those coaches to actually grow this athlete properly as opposed to have a one hit success. And so I think it's poor coaching. It's just poor coaching. But I think the athlete in it, if they don't realize that, you know, maybe that's their weakness, not their, their Mm -hmm. talent is the sport, but their weakness is understanding that this isn't, you don't do three track sessions a week. Or, or not taking control at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah or I just mean, putting it all over to the coach yeah, and saying, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah, the self-awareness I think is important to have in order for you to be able to make those decisions and the recognizing maybe also from others. Mm. Okay, let's see what's realistic here and, and seeing people and how they've succeeded in the sport. I mean, we've been watching people succeed and not succeed <laughs> through the sport for years. Shaking our heads at times. Yeah, and just yeah. going, oh, I see what they did there. Maybe had we focused on that, we probably could have done a little bit better here or there. Yeah. Recognizing what's happening around you and that, yeah, I guess it's called awareness. Uh, well, I think it's awareness and I think it's... Um, I would look at a coach as that they're, you are employing them. They are a part exactly. of your journey. They are a part of your team. They're mm-hmm. a part of it. You are not under their umbrella Mm-mm. having, and they're taking full control of your life. No. Mm-hmm. If you want to be, do anything well, you need to be the pilot. Exactly. You're in control. And then now you build your team, yeah, right? You tell them, I would like this from you. Exactly. Exactly. Period. And I think that's even in the teenage years, there needs mm-hmm. to be that self-empowerment that, that they can talk to their high school yeah. coach or whatever and say, look, yeah. this is what I, this is my journey. Yeah. And I'd love to have you on board. I think there's. And it's a teammate thing. It's not a dictatorship. Exactly. That's the difference. It's, yeah. it's, it's a relationship. It's working together. It's a relationship. Yeah. Relationship and yeah. working together. Yeah. And mm. yeah. And hopefully the coach is open-minded enough to grow as well with the athlete yeah. as opposed to having an ego and just wanting to see what they can do mm-hmm. 
and so that they can move up. Mm. And that's the danger that we've seen in the past. Mm. And we've seen a lot of talent just be fizzled away uh, because they used it up too quick. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's Well, they it's get sad. excited too, right? I of mean, course. I mean, of course. Well, then, you know, they get accolades for being a great coach, you yeah, know? Yeah, so of course. I think things are evolving a little bit more in our sport and you're not well, seeing as much of that, but maybe not. Maybe not. But I love that one. Mm-hmm. Intent. My one on that one on optimizing your life, I think for me, it's probably identifying what you're passionate about and aligning that with your strengths. And that'll give you your purpose. I feel like when you are passionate and, and that mm-hmm. passionate is overwhelming because when bad bad things happen and they will yeah, happen, absolutely, you need that passion alive then. You don't, mm-hmm. it's easy to be passionate when things are going well, but that when you really have a a desire to do something at next level, if you're passionate, mm-hmm. don't follow it blindly. Don't, you know, I'm not a fan of that whole, you know, go follow your dreams yeah, blindly. Dream no, yeah, Believe I, it, dream it, whatever. But I would say at least write it down, have a look at it, think about yeah. it, and then ask yourself or get others to tell you or do any of those tests out there and really identify what your strengths are. Mm-hmm. Now, do those strengths align with your passion? Mm-hmm. Do they? And be honest. And if they yeah. do, guess what? You might potentially have found your purpose that yeah. when you have that purpose, then go, like you said, go follow it with intent. So I'm almost the phase yeah. before the intentional phase, right? Makes and it's, sense. And, and that's what I would say is being, and especially if we're talking to the younger generation, is like, look, yeah, it's a great to know your passions. Mm-hmm. Identify them, write them down, talk about them, but do the same with your strengths. And I'm not saying you won't have some weaknesses that you got to mitigate and work on and everything else. Mm-hmm. But when you can follow your strengths, and this is my big thing, I really believe that we're all born in this world of ours, that we all have something to give. In our DNA, yeah. in every individual DNA, we all have something to give to this planet. But it only works if we all follow our strengths. Absolutely. And we have a world where we keep trying to tell each other and put each other down or tell each other that we're, we're weak here, we could improve there, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's fine. But we don't ever lead with strengths. Yeah. People don't go around recognizing saying, you're a, you know, you do that really well. Lead with that. And then say, yeah, you could work on that a little bit, but a little bit of yeah. feedback is okay. But Yeah. I think also trying to not focus too much on the outcome goal. Like I want to, the kids, you know, as a young kid, I want to go, I want a gold medal. Yeah. You know? Okay. Well, that's fine. That's fine. That's a great goal to have. Yeah. But there's a lot of gold medalists out there that have no idea how they got there. And they're miserable. And they're miserable. Yeah. So the point of that is, is why do you want that gold medal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want it for six? Do you want it for pats on the back? Do you want it for, for everybody else to tell you how good you are or do you want it because it shows the level of dedication and passion and Intent. And, and, and intent <laughs> you had in, in yeah. everyday life that yeah. gave you something to wake up to or a reason to wake up and get out there and, and maximize yourself. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't like the saying where I just want to be the best I can be. Mm. Well, to some degree, you need to be the best you can be. And then you show it to the world. And that will determine whether you're the best in the world mm. being the best you can be. And so... I think a lot of people say, I want to be the best I can be, or I can, I want to be the best in the world. They forget to focus on the one thing that will get them to be the best. Yeah. (laughs) Yourself and maximizing yourself and figuring out, yes, what are my strengths? Put most of your energy into that. 
But if you don't tweak the weaknesses and focus on those a little bit, Mm. you're probably not going to maximize yourself. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people get disillusioned with. Mm. You know, they're so focused on the outcome goal as opposed to the processing. It's funny when we've talked about this a bit ourselves and you know, when you when you go get a young athlete that's that's wanting to go to the Olympics and they might be living on their parents' credit cards or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and and you ask them, why do you want to go to the Olympics? And they've never been asked that. Yeah. Right? Just, it's just yeah. assumed because that's what, as an athlete in today's society, and if you're in an Olympic sport, mm-hmm. well, then that's what you should be yeah, striving for, right? Exactly. And it's like they haven't actually stopped to think, why do I want mm-hmm. to go to the Olympics. My parents have their agenda. My coach has his agenda. Mm-hmm. Society have their own agenda. The, yeah. the country have theirs. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was when, going back a bit, that's when I remember when you talked about making a conscious decision about me stepping away from the ITU mm-hmm. and focusing on the, the US racing. And I'd gone to the 04 Olympics and I got fourth and was reasonably happy with that coming off mm-hmm. injury and everything else. Sure, a medal would have been lovely, but it was also, I knew I optimized myself on that one day. So I, was, I walked away with my head held high. But it was also in that 05 period when we heard about the 06 mm-hmm. and I said, I don't need to go to the Olympics again. Yeah. I don't need to repeat what I just did. It was wonderful. I had a great set of teammates with uh, Peter Robinson and Simon Thompson and the women's team were fantastic. And we just had a good experience. It was an Olympic yeah. experience. It was fun and I did the best I could. Did I need to keep going back? No. Well, I don't think you needed to keep going back because it wasn't your true talent. But it wasn't that. I mean, it wasn't well. a bad talent. I mean, I, no, I, you were no. But I'm saying, like, when when the non, if non drafting never came up, you'd probably still be doing ITU. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's right. Whereas that came up, and it was the perfect opportunity to actually show your true talent in. Yeah, in, but but we then had pushback, whether family or friends, going, "What you're not following oh, yeah, the, for sure. the Olympic road yeah. again?" And uh, exactly, you know, and the, what the funny part about that was, I did get put on the Australian Olympic yeah. team. You know, wait, from doing one race in Malulaba, and they put me on the team that night. I was like, "What?" I didn't even know yeah. it was a trial race. That was the irony of all. And then of they that, lost but, the spot. And then they lost the spot anyway, but I didn't race. <laughs> A quick mini break to remind you to go check out Any Question. Any Question you can find in your app store. You can download it, one word, Any Question. And you can go to Any Question and ask many of the experts that I've had on the show questions that I might have missed in the show. I put on the other day again on Any Question, I wrote a question to everybody on the platform and I asked you know, what's some fun rapid fire questions that I could add on the show? And I thought what we could do today is we quickly go through and we can ask each other, we'll take turns going through them, some of the responses that we got. All right. Okay. You want to do that? So I'll go first. Okay. Kate Courtney, one of the world's greatest mountain bikers. She said, taco or burrito? And she said you can learn a lot about a person from a taco <laughs> burrito. Do you like the crispiness? No, no, I'm really <laughs> nervous about this I'm answer. Not sure which one, I'm not sure which one to ask. I mean, I know what I kind of like better, yeah. but... Can I say fajita? <laughs> <laughs> can I take the cop out and build it myself? Yeah. Still a burrito. Burrito makes... The sound of a burrito makes me sound like I'll be very full and feel heavy. So I'm going to go taco. A soft yeah. shell taco. All right. Okay. Tim Don. My goodness, he's given us a few. Here we go. Favorite child. <laughs> you can't do that. You know what? You can't do Unless favorite... you only have one child. Well, that's true. But you can't do favorite child, but I think you can do favorite 
age of a childhood. Do you know what I mean? Like I of think, childhood, yeah. So I think like when your children are between that one and a half and two oh, and a half. It's the best. It's just they're so cute and adorable and they're learning to speak and that age. So if, if, if you've got yeah. one child there and the other one's in the, the pushback phase. True. Then, <laughs> then it's not that you don't love them both. It's just you prefer the phase that they're in. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, Very all right. I'm not going to actually name names, but I could just prefer an age. Okay. Dog or cat? Probably dog. Yeah. You're probably dog. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll go dog. Red or white wine? Mm, red. I'm more red. Yeah. A full-bodied red. Yeah. Or a very sweet wine on a hot summer's day maybe. But Yeah, with no TNN. This doesn't give you a headache. Can we what? get all those things nowadays? Has it been four years since we've had a drink? It's been that oh, long, hasn't least, it, since yeah. kids. So we're not yeah. the best. A Jaeger bomb or a shot of tequila? These wow. are all Tim Dons, by the way. <laughs> I never knew this about Tim. Yeah. Oh, I did. He's a Jaeger he's bomb. I don't know what the Jaeger bomb. I, I've heard of that, but I can't. Oh, oh, is that Jägermeister? It's a. It's I don't a, know. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a type of alcohol. Okay, I think the Jaeger because I the thought of having any more tequila just I can't stomach it. Oh, but the good stuff is pretty good. No. Okay. Okay. Next. Mountain bike or road bike? A mountain bike. Yeah, mountain bike these For days. Sure. These days. Um, he said BBC or Sky Sports. I don't know. The, does that mean a sports channel or a news channel? Is that? I would say sports. Oh but, yeah, right. Sports channel yeah. for sure. He's got Trump or Biden. I'm going to no just comment. sidestep that one. Yeah. Uh, carbon or no carbon shoes? We've never tried them, so that one's not really... Oh, for running the carbon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Carbon? Yeah. I, no, they, From what I've seen. Everybody seems to be running about a minute faster for 10K, so I'll, I'll take the carbon. Yeah. Fan of Lance Armstrong or not a fan of Lance Armstrong? <laughs> These are all Tim Dong questions. <laughs> you know what? For what Lance gave me for entertainment from whatever years he started to finish that phase, I truly enjoyed the Tour de France those years, right? Deep down, I knew the whole thing was probably, you know, a bit dodgy. But in saying that, I was also the last person to race Lance Armstrong. That's true. And get second to him. That's true. In the Hawaii 70.3, where I set a record by eight minutes over Craig Alexander and uh, Chris McCormack's records for eight minutes back. Still not good enough, Craig. I got beaten by two minutes. <laughs> I was like, huh. And had a great race there. He was always nice enough to me in that kind of respect. Like yeah. I never, you know, we got to know each other a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't, I can get why people were really upset at him, but I wasn't surprised when, because not for a moment did I think any of that no. was real. So no. I don't know. I was never hurt by it and I enjoyed the entertainment. If probably, were... probably not a fan of his choices, but no. that's, well, that's the world he lived in. Yeah. Thank God we don't have to have that choice in our sport. Exactly. To have success. I think so. we answered that very diplomatically. Yes. Um, all right. Dan Plew said, what book have you re-gifted the most? I don't think we give gifts, do we? Or re-gift books. No, re-gift? Or give a new, yeah, re-gifted. Re Does yeah. that mean pass it to, on to somebody? Yeah, kind of like, oh, I read this, I got to get this for you. I, I, don't do, read, I don't read enough books. Is honestly. it possible that I could do Who one where time? I've suggested it the most? Sure. And that would be what we talked about already. I think I've suggested yeah. Mal Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers, probably the most. Very interesting book. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. that. Mm -hmm. um, okay. When you think of success, who do you think of? Mm -mm. Wow. There's a lot in that because of what is success. I know. That's a hard one. There's a lot of options for that. Like, do you think of it as... Do you think of Elon Musk because he's... Is a brilliant mind. Or do you mm -hmm. think of somebody that's raising awesome, awesome kids and has just been a great parent and just... Because yeah. that's a really hard job. 
Compl- <laughs> it's like the hardest job in the world. I cannot commit more of my life to something and feel less, like, less accomplished. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Maybe one day you're going to sit back and be like, all that hard, all that work. Because yeah. it feels a little bit like work when you, like I've said, I don't really like telling people what to do. And then I don't also like repeating myself. And that seems to be the two things yeah. that I do all day long. Well, and it's also like we talked about on our podcast, we did, it's like I always found with sport or when you were in the pursuit of something where you want to be the greatest in the world, you live life at a 10 or you yeah. live it at a zero when you're fully recovering and just, mm-hmm. and it's intent, bang, 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 mm-hmm. or it's not. Being a parent is living between that three and six in the sense that you, yeah. you're never doing accomplishing or hitting. You're never getting a full night's sleep. You're never getting, you're never getting to finish the you, sentence. You're, you're never, never getting fully to recovered. eat <laughs> your own food without a little person. Yeah. In your st- yeah. And you never feel and that yet, sense of accomplishment. You're no, just kind of like, oh, no, exactly. Yeah. But, Every now and then they give you a smile and a hug oh, and you get those little bits, but there's nothing better, but that, that takes you up to a six It or is seven. interesting. It's more self-awareness of the life we're living now and yeah. what you, what it is all about. And yeah. it's, they're yeah. pretty amazing little creatures. All right. Um, and then his final one is, what do you th- what do you do first thing in the morning? Let's probably grab one of our kids that's crept into bed and put them back in bed, isn't it? Yeah. Take the eye shades off, take the earplugs out, take the sun machine off. Yeah, it's quite a process <laughs> in our takes, house. What it takes Turn the to cooling s- mat off. <laughs> what it takes to sleep anymore. Yeah. yeah, but probably kick the little person that's migrated into your bed <laughs> out first. Yeah. <laughs> Carry him up. Yeah. I think that's kind of it. But you're you're pretty good about just jumping up and going straight to the gym and doing a I workout. Do. I do. I only do I do twenty minutes of stair stepper and fifteen minutes of gym and every and now, single day for years. It's amazing how you do the same thing every, every day. day. I know. Well right now, yes, with the yeah, that's the only energy I have. That's about all I've got. Mm. But it keeps me enough where I can lift up the kids and I don't feel sore every day. These are and meant I've, to be rapid fire, by the way. Sorry, go. Okay. Jan Fredino. Movie, go to the movies or Netflix? Oh, Netflix. I take both right now. Can I, I, do. <laughs> I haven't done either for so long. Okay. Milk or dark chocolate? Milk. Yeah, I'd prefer milk, but I have dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, coffee black or white? Black. Yeah. Okay, black. If it's a really good black, though. It's not yeah, worse that's than true. getting a bad black because then you just got to put milk in it anyway. Um, Karma Sutra or Quickie? What? <laughs> this is Jan Fredino. Yeah. Hang on. I don't even, we even. Is this out of experience, Jan? You're asking me this question? Yeah. The, yeah. Look, I'd take anything right now, too. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, everybody. We're going to hit pause. <laughs> next, Emma Pallant. Uh, next, Emma Pallant. Um, I don't understand this one. Fish head or fish body? Does it mean to eat it or do you want. I'll take the fish body if yeah. it means to eat it. I never knew that that was a an, like okay treadmill. You're in a you're in a 14 day quarantine. Treadmill or turbo? <laughs> treadmill. Treadmill. I, I think I take the turbo. I jump on um just hop on the bike each day. Oh, so, know, you're uncom- not so uncomfortable. Brett Hawk, if you've got what your last meal, last meal. Um, you might as well go out with a bang. What are you going with? Maybe some like a really thick carrot cake with a lot of frosting on top. Oh, just straight up dessert. But it's got to be hot with ice cream. Yeah. Okay. Mark Clee said, one song for the rest of your life and why? Oh, wow. You know what I would like is, um, what's that piece of music where they- Is it Beethoven? Is it Beethoven? Yeah. I think it was Beethoven. Ode to Joy. Ode to Joy. 
I would take Ode to Joy. That's um, a really good one. Yeah, so inspiring. It's such a story and a journey in itself. Yeah, I'd pick one of those. I'd have to go back and listen to so I'm listening to I couldn't listen to any music of the last 50 years no, just no, no, over no, and no. over again. No, just no, the classical. A classical piece. And then he's also got one food on a desert island for life. Oh, and I don't if, know. You're going to get sick of it, aren't you? He said it gives you all your... He gives you all the nourishment you need. This one, was it one meal? I think I'd pick something like, it want to be like a layer, something like lasagna, like layers. So you could mm. go, oh, I'm just having the pasta today or just the cheese or I'm having just oh, the meat. That's a good idea. Yeah, so probably something like that. Yeah, I'll go with you on that. Maybe I'll have that as well. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's really, it does. All right, we're, we're, we're almost done with rapid fire. Laura Sedell says, Brussels sprouts, question mark, so basically, do you like Brussels sprouts? I do. Yeah, especially if they're with bacon and butter. Oh, yeah. And baked. All right, I'll say yes, if so long as they're done, prepared pro- appropriately. Winter or summer? Summer. Yeah. Mountain or coast? Coast. Yeah. You agreeing with me on yeah. all those? Crocs? Yeah, I don't mind Crocs. Yeah, they're all right. Uh, sweet or Every savory? You, um, you'd be sweet, wouldn't you? I don't do sweet much anymore, but I think I'll go savory for now. Yeah, I'm probably savory. Roger or Raphael? Roger or Raphael, uh, tennis players. Oh, right, yeah. Roger. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I was just trying to think. God, I like them both like, tremendously. I, I really think they're great. But I'm leaning towards Rafa, and I don't yeah, know why. I'd want to get to know him first before I'm going to make that decision. Yeah. Okay. Like, are we good mates? Yeah, I mean, just... I watch him play tennis, how they yeah, move yeah. on the court. <laughs> yeah. I know. But I Rafa's always picking at his butt. That annoys the hell out of you, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It does. Somebody, I mean, Nike, just get him something that fits him. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a nervous twitch. But Yeah, um, it probably is part of his. All right. Like, socks or no socks on the bike? I used to do no socks. Yeah, I like socks. I like the feel of in the shoe. Yeah. Foot. I mean, I'd race with no socks always. Sure. But, but I like to train with them. Um, and then Kona or Olympic medal? Olympic medal or Olympic gold? <laughs> That's a good point. She's got it as Kona or Olympic medal, which now opens this up because would I rather win gold or have a bronze medal? I'd rather win. I mean, I'd rather win Kona than a bronze medal. True. But I'd rather an Olympic gold than Kona. So, and then the silver, I'd still rather win Kona than get silver. So mm-hmm. it goes. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's. Okay. Probably goes without saying. Um, Tommy Zafiris says, favorite pickup line. I don't know. It's been like, what, 22 years since you've been in that world? So. Yeah. How did I get you? Because whatever it was, that's my favorite. It <laughs> <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> was a good one. I don't remember what it was. I think I just, I, I remember I'm I'd given really... up on dating girls and, and then it was like, I'd broken up with the girls literally like the day before you turned up on pool deck and I'm like, huh, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Fickle mind. I think, Fickle I, did, mind. I, think I just asked. Yeah. He says looks don't matter. Of course they matter. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the initial, initial part. Now that you've done 100 episodes, which ones have left you with the best, the greatest mark? Like uh, which? Oh, have affected me or left yeah. me the mark? Biggest mark. I yeah. Think. You know what? I'm not going to pick one, but I'll, I'll go through a few. And uh, I think episode one leaves a mark because that's to actually record, put it up, have it go out and that mm-hmm. was with Craig Alexander. Great We've game. been long time friends uh, for 
almost 30 years, actually it'll be 30 years, I think, yeah. next year. Um, and I just think one of the greatest humans in the world. He is. And he went He's on so have, fun. Such a yeah, family man. Yeah. yeah. And that episode really just draws out his, mm-hmm. who he is as a person. Um, mm-hmm. So the episode one was definitely, right after that was Simon Whitfield, also mm-hmm. probably one of my longest mm-hmm. time friends and mates. And, uh, so, and yeah, the biggest takeaway from that one with Simon was just the, the weight of the gold medal. Yeah. You know? He did such a great job backing yeah. it up. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. To have it at such a young age. Yeah. And then having to, not only on the on the course, have to keep showing up and performing after that. Because mm. a lot of people are one hit wonders and then they're gone. They disappear. Yeah. They can't back it up, you know? And so it was circumstance more likely that put him there on the day. Mm. But Simon proved that that wasn't the case. No, he as, had a, what as it an took. athlete. So... Yes, you're talking about him yeah, and how he backed, he backed up as a, on yes. the field. I was actually talking about the weight of gold in more the negative sense. Oh, Long yeah. term, how he, you know, he said, I could just put the, the gold medal on the, people asked me to come and speak. Yeah. He said, look, I could just put the gold medal on the, on the dais, the podium and walk off. He says, you know, I've retold the story so many times yeah, and times and times again that he's like, He's somebody that he's quite a heavy, deep thinker. And yeah, he doesn't like to be identified as that's all he is. Yes, yes, he's more than that. So he's anyway, more, that, that was very intelligent. a big takeaway from that episode. Um, Javier Gomez's second episode when he came on and he wished he had more confidence. And Amazing. I was, you know, a 10-time world champion. Nobody's won more races than him. Yeah. Nobody. You'd, ha- you'd have to put Jan Fudino and Alistair Brownlee's careers combined to have as many win, to- win totals as, as Javier Gomez. Wow. He just wins. He races a lot and he wins a lot. Um, now, look, he didn't win the Olympic gold. True. Um, he hasn't won Kona yet, so he's missing a couple of big titles. But, man, he's um, still got an unbelievable and, But my point is in saying all of that is he still wishes he had a bit more confidence. So it's amazing how even when you it's have success, you still, your self-belief still takes a bit of work. Um, Mark Allen was special. Uh, obviously, I was a massive fan of his growing up as a kid yeah. and, and now I would call him a good friend and, and it's very special even to do that. But his episode was special because of the way he approached his mental strategies to prepare to win Kona, which he got defeated six times in a row and before, until he finally got it. Talk about perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and knowing what you want. And then he went and won at another, and then he won at six after once that. he started. Like, yeah. um, just a great story in itself. Um, yeah. And him working on finding neutral, being able to get his brain mm-hmm. into that non, you know, yeah, not negative, not positive, just, side of it, just you know? neutral. Yeah, yeah. He took it to another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a great episode. Anybody who hasn't listened to that one should. Mm-hmm. Who else? Nino Schurter. He's, he's one that I... Uh, didn't know as a person. I only knew him as a fan of watching mm-hmm. mountain biking. Arguably yeah. the greatest of all time mountain biker. And that one was interesting because when I hit, he, he jumped online and said, okay, who is this and what am I doing here? And I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the great. Swiss way. Yeah, very Swiss. Very, very Swiss German. And yeah. I, uh, yeah, it was a little bit taken aback. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm Greg Bennett and this talking high performance, blah, blah, blah. But what I loved about that episode was that his willingness and his desire to want the best of the world to come over and take him on in the mountain biking. And, and yeah. Matthew Vanderpool had won everything in cyclocross and one of the greatest we're seeing now on the road and had, did come over and was kind of beating Nino every now and then. He just said, it's so great. He was loving it. It wasn't yeah. about the winning for him. It was the like you talked That's about right. earlier, yeah. the process and the pursuit of excellence that yeah. really got him excited. So that one was fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, what else have we had? I think Christian Blumenfeld was interesting because that was April. The first time I had him on was a good year before the Olympics. So to have him kind of on that episode saying that 
you know, he was confident he could win the Olympic Games. Um, mm-hmm. It was pretty cool to at least get that as history. Yeah. Um, Vincent Lewis was special to get his background, his journey. It's amazing. Um, just, you know, he, you know, didn't come so from a grounded. lot. So grounded. Yeah, yeah, just didn't come from a lot but knew what he really wanted. Exactly. And so it's worth listening to anybody. Episode one, uh, uh, the first time Vincent came on was really special. Um, it was great to get our friend Mark Weber on the show. Yep. And, and his big takeaway was all about the ability to adapt adapt mm-hmm. under pressure, adapt, adapt, adapt. And that was his mm-hmm. thing. And if you want to listen to somebody that's very well put together, knows how to speak, that was a great interview. And I learned a lot from Mark Weber, Sebastian Kinley, who I talked about a couple of times already, and his parents, you know, he threw the ping pong bat at he, he, yeah. he told this whole story. He's like, yeah, you know, I, it wasn't just throwing a ping pong bat. He said, I won this ping pong table tennis tournament in his, in his area. And, uh, but one of the times he lost a point or maybe he lost the game in the final and he threw the whole table. He picked it up and threw it. <laughs> I said, what? And I said, who'd you lose to? And he said, my brother. <laughs> it was at that point I think his parents knew that he had too much energy, too much built-up anxiety, frustration, and so he found triathlon. So that was fun. Throw him in the pool. <laughs> Throw him in the pool. <laughs> he make the got to tie this kid up. Who else? Kate Courtney. She was fantastic. Again, didn't know Kate. By the end of the episode, I was in love with Kate. I just thought she was a beautiful person, very professional. And just I think we haven't seen the best of her in the mountain biking, the way she's approaching it. Mm -hmm. And mountain biking is very European. So for her to be in the US and taking on the Europeans, I think she's doing a really great job. Uh, I'm looking down the list, everybody. Hamish Carter, obviously longtime friend as well. And what I liked about Hamish was his... To win the Olympic Games in 04, what he had to do, and this is his words, not mine so much, is change as a person, not so much as an athlete. I made him explain what he meant by that. And he, he kind of said, look, in 2000, when he went in as one of the favourites and Simon Whitfield won the gold, he felt like that medal should have been his. Yeah. Well, he, he that had, Simon didn't deserve it. Yeah, right, right. He had had a lot of success. I mean, he was one of the ones oh. that was like, it would be expected. Yes, yes. He was one of the people. But I think he thought if he showed up, I know. it would be expected. And then I think he had to change who he was to say, no, whoever wins on the day yeah, deserves it. Exactly. And, and Unfortunately, was, that is the case. There was like a personality <laughs> trait that he had to work on. So yeah, I enjoyed that one. that's pretty interesting. That was a ni- nice takeaways in that one. Um, oh, Phil Liggett because. It's Phil. It's Phil Liggett. Yeah. And I love that we've become friends. Beautiful voice yeah. for the sport and. You know, how many, how many cycling, um, races have we listened to? He oh. often put me to sleep, to be honest, cause he was just such a soothing voice. I know. I Although if... I was really tired after training. So <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not so much that it's not interesting and all his little. Oh, he's got so many stories. Philisms. I need to bring Phil Liggett back on actually. Uh, we've become good mates since announcing, mm-hmm. uh, the Collins cup together. And, uh, I'd actually call him a good friend now. Yeah. Um, and to, to be able to call Phil Liggett a good friend, oh. I'm kind of. It makes me kind of happy. Um, Dr. Tommy Wood has been on a couple of times. Fascinating. There was one quote that he loved, which was, you know, what you think has a direct impact on your physiology. And it really goes to my mindset. I've always been a big fan of visualizing and and really, you know, understanding what you want and understanding that when you visualize well enough that that can affect you hormonally at a deeper level and and it's amazing how it can almost attract what you want. Mm-hmm. So that was that was fascinating. It's true. Um, Tim That's Don, true. we talked about earlier. Well, that was one of his questions earlier. Just, you know, when, when we talk about what a champion is, my dad used to say a champion is not someone who wins all the time. A champion is somebody who just gets back up, 
they just keep getting back up. And yeah. after Tim's breaking, breaking his neck. Oh my gosh. And then requalifying for Kona the I next know. time around. Amazing. Um, I'm not sure what he felt like he had to prove, but it was really impressive. He's already got, he's got four or five world titles already and just. Phenomenal athlete and hilarious guy. Oh, one of the most fun yeah. interviews I've had. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter Kemper, big shout out, mate. Uh, you know, really on that one, the, the focusing on the process rather than the outcome that mm-hmm. you've already talked about as well a fair yep. bit. Siri Lindley, also a big shout out. Just yeah. also another inspiring story. Nothing can knock her down, cancer nope. or anything Keep else. Driving. Oh, yeah. um, Dr. Mansour Muhammad, I loved that one with uh, going through my DNA results yeah. live on the podcast. I had no I idea what we were going with that. So it was a bit of fun. Some of that was pretty spot on, wasn't it? Yeah, you enjoyed that a little bit more, didn't yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Um, Dan McPherson, good mate of mine, uh, you know, Hollywood actor and, and doing incredible things. Uh, and what I loved about that was looking at the similarities between high performance sport and, you know, being an entertainer at the mm-hmm. highest level and, and the similarities of what it takes to become successful. But then also what I liked on that one was when he was talking about um, how, how to ground yourself, you know, after being in character yeah, for so long. It would long be and, so hard. Yeah. Because it's you really have to probably ingrain yourself in order to project it. Mm-hmm. But also keep in reality. Yeah. Come back to Come some back. sort of normality. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how any of those guys keep it together. Um, another episode, if you haven't listened to it, and it probably for a lot of triathletes, they might go listen to Dr. Ara Sapaya. That was special. His journey to become Amazing. who he is. It was so fun yeah. um, and just it's inspiring hilarious. in itself. Very. Yeah. Very, very. Dr. Joseph Maroon is another one. Dr. Dan Plews. All of those doctors have had, they're all very smart guys and so many takeaways from those episodes. I can't forget Ed Baker, who's mm-hmm. been now become a very close friend of yeah. mine and we do a lot of work together. And the thing Lovely. is with Ed Baker, both his episodes, it's one, you get to know him a little bit better in the podcasts. Mm-hmm. I fortunately have been able to get to know him beyond the podcast and sit in rooms and watch how his brain works at next Brilliant level. Mind. Absolutely. Brilliant. Sometimes I forget that I'm meant to be contributing, you know, <laughs> that I just back. sit back and watch. Yeah. Listening. <laughs> when you, oh wait, what, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Uh, when, when you see, when you see Ed working, it's fantastic. Frank Shorter, he was special. Uh, yeah. You know that. That's a history there. Yeah. Telling, yeah, we caught up with him after. That's right. That episode. Yeah, we kept yeah, going. It was really nice to hear some of his old school stories, names that popped up. Like my dad was a runner doing marathons for years, talking about Bill Rogers. He's yeah. one of the guys he used to run against. And yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, that was that was kind of special because he is a bit of a big a name, a legend. A legend yeah, in running yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's huge. And then the triathlon gold episode <laughs> when I got all four men, firstly, that Amazing. had won all the five gold medals because Alice just won two. And they all agreed. And I did that. I wrapped, I got those men on and recorded a show within five days of sending out the email saying, do you guys want to come on? And what was really cool about that was firstly, it made me feel very it, yeah. it made me feel nice that, that, yeah. that they'd be that prepared they to stop and, and come on. Come on. And it was kind of yarn. It was on the Tuesday. We recorded the episode the Tuesday before Yarn did his world record Ironman against Lionel Sanders. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he was wow. already, he was in final prep. Yeah. Hamish Carter was flying out the next day to, he was the high performance director for New Zealand to fly to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody had something, and yeah. yet they all took time to have, and there wasn't any Great. restrictions and on they, me, Greg, I've only got an hour. It was like, yeah. 
The amount of feedback that you had on that. Oh, yeah. People love to hear well, Christian Blumenfeld said it in his post-race interview yeah, on the BBC. Right. I, he, he, he said, listened to it. He said, I listened to our podcast. Unfortunately, yeah. he didn't say it was, but he listened to the podcast yeah. on the Friday night before the, his Saturday race or whatever, the night before his race. Christian listened to those yeah. four talk about what the Olympic gold, what it meant, how they won it, what it... Of course. And then, Imagine that, like if you were there yeah. in that position. Yeah. It'd be great to hear from the best. I just person. thought, good on Christian for yeah. doing that. And then yeah. um, good on good him on, for mentioning good on, the show. Yeah. <laughs> good on you for pulling those guys together. Yeah, that was special. That one it's was really nice of them to have done that. Yeah, that one. Big shout out to all of those guys. And yes, I did finally get all, <laughs> well, not all the women on. I got the last four Olympic champions on. There was a few things so that I've only got one hour. <laughs> I think I think I think Gwen was gone right on the hour. I think something there Josh. wasn't a goodbye. It was just sh- <laughs> I think uh, I had to record on Zoom because Nicola couldn't get you know yep. the, the Zencaster, which I prefer to record on to work. It was we made it happen. Yeah, and I trying think- to pull those women's schedule together is very tough. I mean. I kind of feel like sometimes any woman that has a child, there's it's impossible yeah. to get them to tie down. You just don't know. There's so many, so many balls in the air. But they're all outstanding human beings. Yes. They're not just inc- phenomenal women. I, I left that episode going, wow, because they've all taken their gold medals and realized, maybe not right away, like Nicola even said, realized that there's a responsibility with that gold medal, that they are there yeah. now mm-hmm. to bring the new generations in. They're an yeah. advocate for the sport. And they've all gone about it in their own ways within mm-hmm. their own communities and countries to to share their journeys, their stories with as yeah. many people as possible. And I I was really thought they were fantastic. And, you know, Flora obviously was only yeah, a month or two beginning. in, but, yeah, exactly. but I think just we've got another great her. Olympic champion with Flora. Yeah. Um, so I think bringing Nicholas starting the kids racing. I mean, she, oh. she did that. I think that was after that. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. after a gold she, medal. Kid I mean, just starting the young. Shit, they're amazing. Being passionate about sport and self-awareness through sport. And yeah, it's it's pretty neat. They're a little group, what they pulled together for for the success of their gold medal. Yeah, a unique group, wonderful people. Um, and then finally, my last couple of episodes I've really enjoyed, getting Lucy Charles Barkley finally on. And I'd yeah. even say we're friends now, um, nice. but it took me a long time to, to get Lucy on. But She's she a was... well, well-oiled machine. She's got a great team around her, mm. you know, and the, it's well-marketed great athlete, passionate about what she wants to get done and will give anything to do so, you know, and then, yeah, with her husband and her sister working on her team, probably more than that. But she was also just so easy to interview. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll come home to you and go, I'm kind of tired after that one. Other times I'm like, it was just, they were playful or they had great stories or they were ready. The British are so entertaining. Yeah. You and the, the voices are kind of easy yeah, to listen to, exactly. aren't they? Exactly. Um, and then finally, another Brit. It's, um, yeah. Last week, this week, uh, Sam Renouf came on, the CEO of the PTO, the Professional Triathlete Organization. And, oh, wow, he's just brilliant, man. Very intelligent, knows how to share information through stories, which is never mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think what they're doing with the PTO is outstanding. So, yeah. There we go. There's my rundown. Uh, okay. my, uh, did you, were you expecting one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just a few make a mark, uh, 20. Yeah. Now I did have that we would sort of reflect on our careers, but I think we've already done that somewhat yeah. throughout this episode. I don't think we need to dive into us anymore. Is there anything else that I, that I have missed that you want to add or are we, we're pretty good here, I think? No, I think we're pretty good. Hopefully entertaining enough. Yeah. Get you through a bike ride or a run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what's next? Well, for me, 2022 
is now here. I'll uh, continue to be doing these podcasts, although I might have a couple of weeks of a few of my favorite episodes. I'll kind of remassage and have repeats just over the holiday season, just so I can spend some time with the family and have a little break, but that we will Good. come back with new episodes sort of um, mid-January. I'll be working alongside, like I said, Ed Baker, doing some more work with Any Question, building that app. Check that out. That's uh, going to really be something amazing over these next months and uh, get on board early as an early adopter. I think you'll really enjoy it. And then I'll be doing some announcing with both Clash Endurance and hopefully, potentially, with uh, the PTO and their big events that they've just announced as well. And then hopefully getting to see you and my yeah, kids. that would be nice. <laughs> I'm not planning any more family trips. Until <laughs> we know you can make it. No, it's all good. I'm spending a lot of time with the kiddos. It's yeah. It's a kind of a privilege, it to be is. honest. It, it is really a is a privilege. Um, it's nice to have five-minute breaks every now and again. I mm. think that's what you're down to instead of days or hours off. But the hard part is that you miss them when you're not with them. So it's... Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's like, kind of a... Yeah, I just want to go. And then you're away. Like even yeah. the other night we had a date night. We went for a walk on the beach, right? Yeah. Gone and for it, a couple hours and... Yeah. And probably the second hour we talked about the kids. I it's know. Like, oh, come on. I know. Pathetic. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's a wrap, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. I, I really did. I think this was kind of fun. It was a little bit different. It, it is a end of year wrap up for us. It is a celebration of a hundred plus episodes it is uh, of two years of doing the show um the show will continue it might branch out a little bit more from being a bit triathlon heavy that's not to say i won't still have predominantly a lot of triathletes on because that's my passion and my background and um but the show will grow and expand if you are enjoying the show i'd love to hear from you and get your feedback Um, but for now you can find the show notes timestamps and coupon codes at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. Laura, that was great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks everybody. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode. So subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.